Is it worth it? The Film Review Podcast presents Road to the Oscars. Join me, David Long, on this journey as we talk all things Oscars before the big event, the 94th Academy Awards, on Sunday the 27th of March, 2022. So sit back, relax, and enjoy Road to the Oscars. Wow, just... Just wow. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Roads to the Oscars. My name is David Long and I am your host. Well, that was uh, different. Um, after months of speculation and all the precursors, the Oscars finally took place in Los Angeles on Sunday the 27th of March and it's a ceremony that will be remembered for many years to come. Coda made history by winning Best Picture and becoming the first film from a streaming platform to do so. Once considered the underdog, Coda beat the dog to the coveted prize of Best Picture. It was always possible that a streamer would win Best Picture, as we discussed with Andrew Morgan, but it looked probable for most of the season that this would go to Netflix. Apple TV Plus, however, had other ideas, and Coda came skydiving into the award season race by winning SAG Ensemble, and to be honest, it hasn't looked back since. The power of the dog went 1 for 12, and Dune took home the most Oscars on the night with 6. We had 3 hosts, we didn't have 8 awards, but we did have a major incident that has unfortunately overshadowed the whole night of that, there is no doubt. On this episode, we will discuss the show, the winners, and ultimately the losers, in what my dear friend Andrew Morgan described as a dumpster fire of an awards ceremony. We will then look forward to Oscars 2023. This year, there were, of course, wonderful winners and some beautiful moments, but, well, you know... We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. So, <laughs> can't believe that show. Sit back, as always, relax, and get ready for Road to the Oscars. End of the road. So, it gives me enormous pleasure to introduce my final guest on this Road to the Oscars series. It is the editor-in-chief of AwardsAce.com. He is the chair of the Sunset Film Circle Awards and has a fantastic YouTube channel as well. I'm delighted to have Eric Weber as my guest on this episode. Eric, how are you doing? David, I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited in, in large part because the Oscars are now over and we can just take a break and decompress from films like i need a break at the end we've been talking about these films for so long that it just is like it's a natural time for me to kind of release myself from the from the hollywood scene for a little while and and just kind of like i said decompress but i'm ready to talk about it because it was just a crazy night no question about it yeah it was absolutely insane like you say and we are going to dive into that and I'm, I'm totally with you like it's what i lose track of time we're like a week 
uh, a week and two days since the Oscars. Mm-hmm. And I, I had to sort of have a little bit of a break, a little bit of family time, because you know what it's like, the end of award season, you just have a real crash. Um, oh, yeah. But award season is your, your expertise. Um, obviously, most of the listeners will know who you are, but for those that don't follow you, um, just tell us a little bit about what you do and where we can find all of your amazing work. Well, I mean, it all starts at awardsace.com. That is my award site. We've been running now for a little over three years, and it's become a top 10 Oscar site. It's really simple. It's just based around the the simplicity of each category, and you click on, on the categories, for example, Best Picture, and you're just going to get all of the contenders. And as we get closer to the Oscars, we you know, start to rank them and put them in, in order of, you know, chances of winning. But right now, you know, we're already into 2023 and I've got just a huge selection of films ready for next year. And uh, that's one of the things I love to do is as soon as Oscars 2022 ends, we get on to Oscars 2023. Yeah, no, awardsace.com. It's a really uh, useful tool for an, a wannabe Oscars pundit like me um, following the award season throughout. In terms of Twitter, where, where can people find you on Twitter and, and, and YouTube as well? Yeah, at Eric Weber, E-R-I-C-K-W-E-B-E-R. And then on YouTube, just started it. It's been a little over a month now, and I just got the vanity URL. I call it Eric Weber Edition. So Mm. E-R-I-C-K-W-E-B-E-R and then Edition. And yeah, just just whenever the the mood strikes, jump on there and uh, talk about film stuff. I mean, there's a lot of things going on right now, but during award season for sure. Yeah, uh, make sure you follow Eric, guys. I've been following him for a, a few years now, and he's he's a great follow. Um, normally, Eric, with my shows, I tend to script them, have them really planned out, but this one's going to be a little bit more off the cuff, um, a cool. sort of reaction show, and, and looking forward to, to next year. I mean, it was one of the craziest Oscars in history, and we will touch mm-hmm. upon the incident shortly, but I just want to start with the numbers uh, for the listeners. The 2022 Oscars drew 16.6 million viewers, up 58% from last year's record low audience of 10.5 million, according to live plus same day Nielsen data. Um, the first thing I wanted to ask you, Eric, and I actually was finding out the results listening to your live uh, space on Twitter. <laughs> and it was a crazy ride because Dune kept winning and I was just there trying to keep up with the tweets, listening to you, watching the telecast or the, the red carpet. Um, what did you make of those eight categories being presented before the live telecast? Not a big fan. I mean, it's these are especially a number of them. Now, listen, I've been very vocal about the fact that I have no problem removing the shorts. I mean, those are three categories that even hardcore film fans are really not as interested in. So you need, I have no problem with leaving them on the sideline. But I think everything else should have been included. I think it really just comes down to making the speeches shorter. You know, just making certain that everybody knows you have three minutes. And at the end of three minutes, we're going to yank the cord on the the mic and it's over the mic's off and and i know that people are going to boo and all that but listen do you want them in or do you want them out because mm-hmm. right now you just removed eight and and the chances of them coming back are slim because once you know it's like anything in life once it happens and there's a precedent set it's very hard to get it reversed so i think that it's not good news going forward i i, I just can't even the one thing that was shocking to me is they didn't even have a camera yeah. in the 
the Kodak, a live stream going on for that hour pre-show. You don't even have to do anything special. Literally just put a camera on the stage and put up some lower thirds. I mean, my YouTube channel can handle that. I would pray <laughs> the Academy could, right? Not yeah. that hard. And, they, and they, they clearly know who the winners are ahead of time. You have it all ready to go. And, and the, you know, best sound, here's, here's Dune. It's not that hard, but they didn't even bother. And that was, I think, even more alarming, the fact that they removed them, is they didn't even seem to care about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's, it's, I just don't think they're going to come back after this because, look, the show was already over three hours with yeah. eight of them gone. But they did take them and put them in the show, which was really strange. Um, I, I understand they wanted to edit down the speeches, but again, Here's the answer. Just make all the speeches shorter and cut the mic. I mean, I don't see what the difference is. Yeah, no, I, t- I totally agree with you. Cutting the eight categories, I thought, was... Like I said, I mean, you've got a, a base like like me and other Oscars fans. And I think, firstly, you've got to appeal to those. I know they want a bigger and wider audience. But like you said, I'm absolutely baffled that they couldn't get a camera in there. You know, let's have a live stream so people like me can, can watch it. And, and, and you know, I, I, I'm just shocked that that wasn't, uh, wasn't an option. I mean, I've said on my show before, I think the Academy or the ABC wanted to cut the, the shorts um, but I think if they'd have just cut those three, there might have been controversy. So I felt like they threw a few more categories in um, to sort of take away that controversy of just cutting the shorts. But like you say, I think um, it's going to be very, very difficult for them to reverse and put those categories back in. So I think we're both in agreement that next year, if they cut those eight categories or similar categories, give us a live stream so that we can watch it. Um, for you overall, how... How was the show? How were the presenters? How was the overall telecast? I know there was one major incident, which we will touch upon. But for oh, you, yeah. as, as a show, how, how was this, uh, the 94th? Well, I mean, you start with it being 18, 20 minutes in and you haven't given out an Oscar. Yeah. I, I just, it's, it's, you know, for me, if I'm producing the show, I'm like, have the ladies come out. Uh, and make it short, or better yet, start with literally start with a big category. Our best director is boom. You know, mm. give something big away right off the bat, then have the ladies come out. Hey, what a big award! Let's start talking and have the, the at least you have people into the show. Uh, I, I, you know, listen, they're they're very clearly looking to appeal to the non-hardcore. Uh, awards fan and just the average viewer and yeah. that's going to be difficult to merge that those people with the those of us who love film i would hope they figure out some way to make it happen but i didn't quite see that i was disappointed with the telecast and we all know that the event that occurred really overshadowed the entire ceremony yeah like you said i mean i tweeted on my twitter a video of me saying you know get on with it you know hurry up mm-hmm. because we were mm-hmm. like you said i i don't i didn't make an, a, a note of it myself but you said 17 18 minutes in and awards hadn't been presented you know we opened with beyonce and then we had amy schumer and others who i thought were quite impressive and quite funny but at the end of the day it's an awards show um and I think we needed to get on with the awards a little bit quicker. I think you made a great point there. You know, if you opened with something big, sort of get the fish on the line and try and keep them there. Um, mm-hmm. One thing I would say is, I don't know what your thoughts about this were. There was a serious rattle to the show. It was very, very pacey, almost too quick. Did you feel like it was overstuffed and overcomplicated as a telecast? 
I mean, they, that's what you, first of all, you have three hosts, so that's mm. going to make it more difficult to, you know, rein in as we saw. And some of those comedy bits were, were okay, but they dragged on too long. Yeah. And we see it so often, not just in the Oscars, but in the films that we watch, the films drag on too long. Everything be, too long is never good. You'd rather have the audience wanting more than yeah. wanting less. And I think that these people somehow, they just can't figure out how to condense everything down and make a better product. And, and certainly anything over three hours and not giving out an award in the first 20 minutes. I mean, how do you do that? I don't know how that is, is managed, but they did manage to do that. And it's just a disservice to the films that we love, where it felt like many times throughout the show that it really wasn't a celebration of film. It was, you know, cracking jokes about film and, and, and just having fun uh, at the expense of film. And that is not that wasn't a fan of that either. Yeah, I think the epitome of that sort of having jokes at the expense of film was the last jewel joke, um, which I think sort of bomb, mm-hmm. bombed out a little bit. Um as a telecast for me, I thought it was, like I said, a bit overstuffed, a little bit confused, didn't really know who it was trying to appeal to. Um, I mean, I've seen worse. Obviously, you you know, I'm over here in the United Kingdom. Um, our BAFTA ceremony was a complete train accident. Um, Rebel Wilson, I thought, tried to do like a, a Ricky Gervais style Golden Globes kind of um comedy sketches and at the BAFTAs that really didn't um, hit the crowd and it was very very awkward Um, Mm -hmm. in terms of the winners themselves uh, and speeches was and we will get on to the the major moment in a second apart from that was there any standout moments standout speeches was there any particular award you were really happy to see win received well I think for for me all those wins for Dune were gratifying because that was my number one film of 2021 without question is certainly as a as a film and filmmaking and the fact that denis was not given a best director nomination is just absurd and really the biggest snub of of all of them uh but you know that's my pick to win for best picture i think when we when we look at best picture and, and we can talk about this with coda uh is is for me, you're, you're talking about filmmaking as well, not just the most, you know, gratifying film, but filmmaking is a major part of that. And I think that's where Coda falls drastically short. It is just not of a filmmaking quality that I would ever pick for best picture. Mm. I think it's one of the weakest directed and looking films that's ever won best picture period. And wow. I put it even against, even against Green Book. I mean, it's just, I remember my reaction to Coda back in i want to say august yeah. when it right before it debuted on apple i got the link i watched it at home which is not ideal i'd rather see it on a big screen but the truth of it is that movie looks the same i've seen it i saw it at a big screen during a you know during the fyc screening it just is cookie cutter direction very much uh you know movie of the week kind of stuff and mm-hmm. i think what's interesting about coda for me is that you're talking about a film that won best picture that had quite literally zero best director nods at virtually every single critics group going in. I mean, that's just never happened. I mean, not just in, not just the major ones. I'm talking about minor ones. I'm Mm. saying like Phoenix, you know, here in the States, St. Louis, let's pick a random town, Austin, Texas critics, whatever it is, you didn't see Sean Hader's name. And it didn't show up anywhere. And and that is alarming to me that when you're talking about a best picture 
and you don't have the director anywhere in the conversation, how does that even happen? I don't understand. It doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, it is a strange one. So from that angle, why do you think, because my opinion is that after it won SAG Ensemble, there mm-hmm. was just this momentum for Coda with yes. Troy, Troy Kotzer giving these amazing, empowering speeches. And there was like a bandwagon, in my opinion, and, and everyone jumped on it. Why do you think... That's it, right. It, is that why you think it ended up winning Best Picture? Feel-good film compared to a bit of a downer in The Power of the Dog? Yeah, I think that it, it just is... It got momentum, and you see it happen every award season where someone starts winning mm. you know, successively at big events such as SAG, BAFTA, whatever it is. When you start to see that happen... Uh, more than once. It's certainly multiple times for Troy. Look at Troy all of a sudden searches ahead yeah. of Cody. And once that happened, it was over. The race is over. And I feel like that's what happened with Coda. I don't think that Power of the Dog had people that loved the film as much as Netflix thought mm. that they did. They thought that they had a lot of people that loved it. I think there's some that did, but there's a lot of people who didn't. So it was polarizing. And I think Coda just came in and really just stole it. And, and like you said, once SAG happened, it really was just a matter of time before it won because that was that was the, the impetus that it needed to go on to win Best Picture and then for Apple to beat Netflix. Yeah. I mean, that's a whole nother topic that we can talk about that Netflix cannot be happy about. They've been trying so hard to get that. And Apple comes in here in year two, essentially, yeah. and wins Best Picture. Well, that sort of was my next question, really, because I'm—I mean, I'm in the UK, but my understanding is that Netflix campaigned the power of the dog really hard, and I believe oh, yeah. really well. Um, is this sort of are Netflix doomed? I know they've got a few, and we'll talk about it in Oscars 2023 sort of preview. What does Netflix have to do to win that Best Picture Oscar? Did they campaign it wrong? You know, what what was ultimately the reason The Power of the Dog didn't win? Was it just because it was a bit of a downer and people wanted the feel good film? Polarizing. I mean, that's yeah. that's really the the short and long of it. That the people who loved it loved it, and those who didn't really didn't. And you saw that with Sam Elliott's comments, and there was there was a lot of backlash for what Jane said about Sam, and mm. then clearly, as we saw at Critics' Choice with her speech about the Williams sisters. Uh, but the movie itself, uh, I, I really admire Power of the Dog. Do I love it? No. Um, but do I, I think the filmmaking of Power of the Dog is head and shoulders better than Coda. Yeah. Um, but, you know, so for me, if I'm going to pick a best picture, I'm taking Power of the Dog over Coda because best picture, again, for me means filmmaking. It's a big part of the equation. And that's, again, where Coda just completely does not work. Uh, it's, it's just not, it's very unsophisticated when it comes to filmmaking. Uh, but, you know, I think Netflix one thing that Netflix has to figure out is is I think they have too much product. They mm. really do. When you look at even their, their shows and their movies, there's just too much. You know, when I was putting together Oscars 2023, I had to go through literally uh, 50 films to figure out which ones I would expect to be yeah. in the best picture hunt. When I go to Warner Brothers, I had to go through five. Yeah. I, you know, when I went through Focus four, you know, that's much easier to figure out. And you can you can only you know just turn your attention to one of those films or two. But Netflix tries to do ten, and I think that's one of the problems. Even though they wanted it to be Power of the Dog, you also had Tick Tick Boom, and and things that were just taking attention away from that one singular film that they could focus on. So, and they're going to do it again in 2023. It's going to happen. That's just their thing. They're going to just throw a whole bunch of stuff out there. Yeah. Um, 
it, this really, they, trust me, I spoke with the folks at Netflix. Um, I'm very aware of what they wanted. They wanted Best Picture. They thought this was their year. They expected it. It didn't happen. And again, at the expense of Apple. And Apple did what we're talking about. One film. Mm. They literally had Coda. Next year, they're going to have a few, but primarily Killers of the Flower Moon. If that was Netflix, Netflix would have Killers of the Flower Moon. They'd also have White Noise, Noah Baumbach, on and on and on. There's uh, there's like 10 other movies. Apple's like, nope, we've got Killers of the Flower Moon. Sure, we've got something else, but that's primarily what we're yeah. going to work on. And, and that is powerful because it allows you to focus all of your en- energy on one thing versus Netflix, which diffuses it across 10 films plus. And, and then you throw in international and all the things they're trying to do in shorts and animation. Yeah. It's just so much. It's too much. And I know they have the manpower to do it, but I just think attention-wise for the voters, they're just like, God damn, there's too much Netflix content. Yeah, I think that's a fantastic answer. I we I had a an episode um, called "The Power of the Streamers" with Andrew Morgan from the Nomcast, and we spoke about Netflix versus Amazon Prime and Netflix versus Apple TV Plus, and we concluded that Netflix were focused and. Um, sort of pushing the power of the dog but again they sort of had you know tick tick boom in reserve and they had others and it was all mm-hmm. a little bit too much and if you look back with the Irishman and Mank and Marriage Story and what else mm-hmm. have we got Roma they've had um, Trial of the Chicago 7 off the top of my head they've had a lot of films and I imagine it's a little bit like you know Academy voters are like wow this is a lot of Netflix what do I watch first mm-hmm. how, how do I mm-hmm. how do I sort of how do Netflix pin something down? And we'll talk about it in Oscars 2023, but it seems like Apple have a much clearer, more focused vision where they're willing to put all their eggs in one basket. Um, and that certainly paid off with Coda. Um, before we move on to the Will Smith incident, I did just want to talk about or just mention a couple of sort of firsts at this year's ceremony. Uh, Ariana DeBose became the first openly LGBTQ plus woman of colour to win an Oscar for Best Actress in a Leading Role. Troy Kotzer became the first deaf man to win an Oscar for Best Actor in a Supporting Role. Coda, as we said, became the first movie from a streaming service to win Best Picture. And Jane Campion, only the third woman to ever win Best Director, the first time it's ever happened back to back now things like that and particularly Ariana DeBose's speech which I thought was quite powerful have got somewhat lost because of the incident and I don't even need to say what the incident was but um everyone knows about it Will Smith and Chris Rock um I'm gonna I don't want to take too much of Eric's time up on this because I think we'd all agree it's a, it's a little bit tiring now but for the sake of this show and my listeners who do want to know my opinion and, and the guests opinion Eric, we've had a little bit of time to sort of get our composure and and reflect. Initially, what did you make of the Will Smith incident and how have you sort of reflected upon it? Has your opinion changed? No, it's the same opinion it it was. I mean, when we saw it out here live, I was watching on the ABC affiliate here in Los Angeles and all of a sudden the audio dropped. And then they looped the video without yeah. the audio. And I'm like, what's going on? Something is going on that's crazy because this is, you can tell, I used to do live television. I was a TV news anchor. So I know what it's like for live television when all hell breaks loose. And when I saw that, I said, okay, something's happening. Mm. And then when I watched it again, I think they, when they brought it back in, it had already happened. And you could they cut to Will Smith yelling, you know, get your, don't ever say my F and you, that whole thing you see. And you could tell when I watched him, 
And I, all I saw was that. I didn't know that there was even a slap. I just wow. knew that when it came back to live, I look and I go, I tweeted, he's furious. Like, that's not, that's not an act. He is mm. livid right now. Something just happened. And then I was waiting to go to Twitter and then boom, there it was. And you see it and you just can't believe what you see. You just can't. And I think what's the, the it's incredibly sad for, for everybody involved. And, and you think about the people who won quest love winning for summer yeah. of soul just yeah. moments after, and everyone's just, they're not even paying attention. And he give, gave a great speech, but I remember during that, I was just like, who cares what won? Everyone's like, what happened with Will Smith? And it's just it, it, the fact that I just can't believe that Will Smith in a moment that he knew he was yes. going to win best actor. We knew it. Like he, that was, he won all the precursors. I, I called that from, you know, months and months ago, I saw it back in September. I'm like, it's, he's going to win best actor. It's not even a question. Mm. And, and he didn't win a lot of critics awards, but like, doesn't matter. He's going to win Oscar. And he did. And he knew it. He had to know it. And the fact that he went up and did that and really just destroyed everything he'd been working for and what should have been his greatest night turned into his worst. That is literally a nightmare of, of a self-imposed. I mean, he, this is a hundred percent on him. Um, Chris Rock obviously said something that, that he will didn't like. And here's the deal is in life, people can say things, trust me on Twitter, they've done it. Mm-hmm. And I could go off or I could choose to, if I see that person out in public, Say, hey, man, listen, uh, you know, handle it, you know, more of an adult rather than that whole action. I don't even know what it was. But but again, we've seen the fallout. Look what's happening. I mean, everyone's walking away from him. I called it that night when I was doing his spaces. I go, the studios, whoever is working with Will Smith is now on hiatus. I called that Sunday night. And people were like, what are you talking? No, listen, the studios don't want to deal with that. And the fact that he might be, he's going to need to go away for a while. And it's just, again, for me, bring it back to the Oscars. Everyone who won afterwards, everything is overshadowed by that incident. And that's the shame is that it's just, it's not fair to those people that no one's going to remember that. They're only going to talk about Will Smith and Chris Rock. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more with what you said. I, I was here in the UK, and we didn't. We we had the 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 uh, the full stream, the, the the live images. So I saw mm-hmm. the slap. I then saw the reaction, mm. and my immediate reaction was I was shocked. And I, when I mean shocked, I was like I couldn't believe what I'd just seen. It overshadowed the rest of the ceremony. It took away from the ultimate winner of Best Picture, mm-hmm. um, and. I actually jumped on your space and I was listening to what you were saying. And I said to you, for me, this wasn't like a career defining moment for Will Smith. Mm -hmm. This was like Mm -hmm. a life defining moment. And Mm -hmm. I said how important it was for his, for his manager and his PR team and everyone around him to, I said, somehow spin this and, and Mm -hmm. try and take a positive out of it. Um, and I don't think that happened. Um, I thought the speech, they let it go five and a half minutes um, and I actually said to you before, I think he, he sort of dug a grave with his speech because, the f- mm-hmm. in my opinion, the first thing, the first thing he should have done was apologize to Chris. Um, use that platform to immediately apologize. Oh, God, yeah. Yep. Do you know what? I'm, say I'm in the wrong. Oh, no, 100%. And, That's why I couldn't believe he didn't. And, and then from there, you know, mm-hmm. apologize, then put your mm-hmm. mitigation you know, mm-hmm. don't start with the, I did it mm-hmm. because, you know, Denzel mm-hmm. said to me, the devil mm-hmm. comes at your highest moment. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And to be fair, another question I want to ask you is I thought, I thought Chris Rock um, 
look, the joke was was clearly in bad taste. There is some debate about whether Chris Rock knew about the alopecia. Um, he says he mm-hmm. didn't, I believe. But either way, comedy and comedians cannot be attacked on a stage, particularly on a in a global audience. And I thought, I don't know what you thought of this, uh, Eric. I thought Chris Rock handled it pretty well because he had the power to to come back with you know brutal humour. He could have gone in hard on the jokes, or like some other people have said, you know, this could have turned into a fight. Um, I don't know how you thought Chris Rock handled it overall and subsequently. Oh. Oh, 100%. I mean, it could have, the whole ceremony could have been canceled. I mean, if he would have gone and they'd gotten into a fist fight on the stage, can you imagine? I don't think they could even get it back in order. Um, yeah. Then we have people probably jumping up on stage and doing <laughs> things. The fact that he handled it with such grace, uh, considering what happened, um, I'm sure he was in complete shock. But the fact that he continued and, and handed out the mm. documentary is just crazy to me that that's what happened. So, I mean, the fact that he can do that and handle himself under pressure in that kind of situation, and again, gracefully, he saved the Oscars. I know someone that's someone said that, I think the chairman said that, mm. and it's 100% true, is that he could have, had the whole thing could have come completely undone, and he at least held it together the best it could you know, for the last whatever that was hour or so of the show yeah. um, or less. But, but again, it's just, uh, it's just incredibly sad for everybody that's involved that won. And, and now they'll be known as the Will Smith Oscars rather than, you know, anything else. And that's just the reality of it. Yeah. And, and like I said before, you know, there were some amazing things to take out of this ceremony. I was very, very touched when Troy Kotzer won and Coda won and mm-hmm. everyone was doing the, the waving of the hands to show applause um, and there were there were beautiful moments and there were good moments and there were, there were also bad moments. But, you know, that I always say with comedy, look, if, if 75 percent of it hits and it's funny, I'm willing to forgive the 25 percent that doesn't. Um, obviously, a lot of podcasts and commentators have done like immediate reactions. Now the dust has settled a bit. What, what do you make of Will Smith's um, statement? Um, and I believe it has he resigned from the Academy. Am I correct in saying that? Yeah, he resigned from the Academy. That just means he can't uh, vote yeah. for the Oscars. He can still be nominated right now. I think they're going to suspend him mm. for years. I don't think they'll kick him fully. Well, he's out. But as far as them taking anything like lifetime away, I don't think so. I could see it being multiple years. I think that his team, his PR team said, hey, listen, what you need to do is resign from the Academy. That'll get people off your back for a little bit. Let this die down because now it's been over a week and we all know how the you know story cycle works. People are all into something. And as soon as they start to have something else, they think about that. And they forget all about the Will Smith. Mm. People are not going to forget this about Will Smith, though, because you just saw that apple i think and netflix pulled out of his biography they were they're making a movie based on his life yeah. and they're like we're not we're not going to be in the bidding for that and of course they're not not right now now does that change in a few years maybe but again i just this is a man who should have had the best night of his life and if you saw that night he actually didn't think he was done right did you see the video of him partying uh, he's out there with the oscar yeah. dancing and stuff that was literally my next question because oh. I could and 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 the the, the slap was shocking, and the mm-hmm. swearing. Keep my wife's mm-hmm. name out your effing mouth. But then mm-hmm. on Twitter, I'm seeing him dancing to his own music with his Oscar, yep. and I'm thinking, yep. where the wow. hell is your PR yeah. team? Where is your manager? Yep. Pull him yep. out of there. Get him hundred percent hidden. You know, hundred percent. I was shocked. 
Well, that's and that's funny as I said. That's actually I, I would love to have that job because I'd have no problem going up and saying, "Dude, you fucked up bad. Yeah. You got to get. We need to put you into into secret service hiding. You're gone. You're on Witsec. You know. I mean, yeah. these people need to. We, we need to get you out of here. And that's I think that's the problem. A lot of these people have. They have these people around them that that you know whoever his team is and they're kind of afraid to say something yeah and you can't be like that in this in this town people are they're afraid and even even as a film critic trust me people don't love how i'm just brutalizing mm. sometimes with stuff but the reality is is that you need more people like that you have to and i can't believe someone didn't tell them that because the optics are terrible and like you said the speech first of all it's after that happens if i'm there and i'm in there and i'm his i'm his agent or his manager or anyone that's involved with his team i am literally getting out of my seat i'm walking up to him and saying you don't even have a clue how bad this is for you. Yeah. You I'm and literally just not even the 0% sugarcoating it saying you've got to apologize the second you walk up there. And I just can't believe no one did or or they were too afraid to. But here's the thing is if you would have maybe you you probably have a they he would raise your salary because you could have saved his ass. Yeah. But you didn't because you were too afraid and you had let him he went on thinking he was okay. That's what's insane is that he thought he got away with it. Like, wow, dude, are you you've got to be nuts to think that. Yeah, I, c- I couldn't agree more because when I'm watching it, obviously, I'm in shock. Twitter's going crazy the whole of the rest of the ceremony is overshadowed. But I'm thinking to myself, I don't think Will understands how serious this is. Oh, like, yeah. Where, and, and, the, and, the, and the the producers constantly cutting to him to see his reactions to other speeches. I'm just mm-hmm. like, this is this is crazy. Like, and I, I'm thinking, are they going to give it? One, I'm thinking, I, obviously he's going to get the Oscar, but are they just going to say, is someone going to go up and say, I accept this on Will's behalf? Is he going to make a speech? Everyone's hanging on the edge of their seats. Then we have five and a half minutes where he doesn't apologise to Chris. He seems to try and justify his actions because at the highest moment, that's when the devil comes for you. Yeah, And it's a little bit like, I can understand what you're saying, Will, but this isn't mm-hmm. good stuff right now apologize mm-hmm. go into hiding let your pr mm-hmm. team sort this shit show out and try and salvage your career because as you've already said people are pulling out things are things are changing for will and i've been a fan of will smith's work for many many years i thought he was tremendous in king richard um but this was this was just a, a shame on so many levels and that's not me saying what will smith did was okay because Trust me, if, mm-hmm. we, if we'd have been recording this the night of the Oscars, mm-hmm. I'd have been piling into him. I've had a little bit of time to calm down and reflect. We all make mistakes, but the key is there's got to be consequences to your mistakes. And just resigning from the Academy, meaning you can't vote, you know, I, it'll be interesting to see what the Academy does. Um, but that's sort of my next question. You know, what what can the Academy learn from this year's awards? And are the Oscars in crisis? They, well, we start with those eight categories that got ejected this mm. year. I mean, that has to be rectified. I think you put five back in. I, the shorts can stay out. I said at the, at the top of the show, I say it now. Yeah. Shorts are gone. They they are pre-show. Everything else is in, and you just make sure that everyone is tight with the with the acceptance speeches. That's it's that not hard. Um, but beyond that, I, I just don't know if the academy wants. They want to clearly 
open the scope up and broaden this show for the average person. They keep losing ratings. Granted, they're up from last year, right? Yeah. They went from, what do you say, 10 to 16. Yes. Okay, million. It's a bigger number, okay? We knew that, though. Last year was the lowest rated. It was at Union Station. The whole thing was just, that was an abomination of a, what a boring and uh, really hard to watch uh, mm. telecast, right? And this was better but again, not as great as you go back to the Ellen DeGeneres yeah. year, right? Everyone was talking about the Oscars, her selfie, right, with everybody. Mm. That those kind of things were huge moments, and I feel like obviously the huge moment from this was Will Smith. But I think that you need to have someone in charge who still loves films. I don't think the person who was in charge this year producing didn't show me that. Um, I, they still haven't found whoever that is. I think Ricky Gervais is the perfect host. And he proves it time after time for the Golden Globes. And hopefully he'll be back for Globes next year. I'm mm. sure the Globes will be back. But I think that um, you know we just need to get back to a love of film and still making it inclusive for uh for everybody try to try to broaden the scope but not make it so you know out there and disrespecting a lot of these filmmakers and the films itself it just that doesn't resonate well with me or i think a lot of people who love film yeah i totally agree i i think for me it just came across as a confused telecast what are we celebrating here is this are we mm -hmm. are we just interested in numbers because i haven't got the numbers in front of me I'm, i apologize for that but you go back to like 2016 2017 the numbers were huge they were in the high 20s 30 millions so things are dropping and other award shows numbers are down as well but i think the academy like i said it has to appeal to its base first so film lovers mm -hmm. first and then try and extend to your, your your casual um you know movie watcher and i don't know what it's like in the states but i understand you know people have oscars watch parties and stuff like that try and make it a big event like super bowl sunday where people are excited to gather around the telly and watch stuff um i don't mm -hmm. know the to me there's there's something wrong um and I'm certainly not the person to to fix it. Um, but overall, it was it was lovely to see films like Coda celebrated. It was lovely to see Ariana DeBose win. I thought um, the Best Actress um, uh, speech was brilliant as well. Um, and so there was lots to take from this ceremony. But unfortunately, it was overshadowed by by the Will Smith Chris Rock incident. Um, but it does set us up. <laughs> for Oscars 2023. Now, I've had a little bit of a break for the last week. I haven't done like a deep dive into Oscars 2023, but using things like awardace.com, I have had a little look and I do have a few predictions, but mm -hmm. I just wanted to, you know, use your expertise here, Eric. What or who do you think could be major players come Oscars 2023? What are you excited for film-wise and maybe in some of the acting and directing categories as well? Well, I think the the top, if I were to, I think of films is almost like a draft board. If you follow the NFL, you know, here in the States, football's everything. Our football, not your football. Mm. Uh, it, but <laughs> it's really about drafting, right? These guys, these are the five-star prospects. And I think when you talk about that, it's very clearly Babylon, yeah. which is going to be – that is uh, Damien Chazelle's return 
since first man, which has been whatever first man was that 2019 or 18? I think it was 19. Yeah, right? I think uh, one of the yeah, two. You, you could, <laughs> it's been a few years, but we know that he is one of the best up and coming directors. Yes. I mean, I would put him in the top five directors working today, period. And the early test screening to that was very glowing and it deals with Hollywood yes. and the, the becoming, you know, Hollywood becoming what Hollywood is back in the 20s. So there's no way that movie is not a major performer, which, by the way, will be the biggest thing for Paramount in ages. Like you have to go back to forever to find a Paramount money movie that really went across the board and was money in all these categories. I mean, Fences was a decent hit for them, but it wasn't this, you know, Babylon's going to be huge. So Babylon is one for sure. Killers of the Flower Moon, yeah. we talked about already. Apple, that is Scorsese. That is going to be their big awards film. You've got Leo in that. Um, Jesse Plemons, I believe Plemons will go lead, it sounds like. Yes. DiCaprio's supporting, which would be the best slotting for me right now if you're going to do that because DiCaprio's had so many lead mm. performances lately. It's time for him to be in supporting so he could actually win there. Um, that's another huge one. She said is Universal's. Uh, movie. It is about the taking down of Harvey Weinstein. That's all you need to know. To know that's going to be huge yes, out wow. here in Hollywood for Oscars, right? She said, um, as I go through here from Netflix, White Noise is Noah Baumbach's new film. I know that Netflix wanted Marriage Story to be that film for them. They thought that could have possibly been a, a best picture. It didn't happen. This sounds like they really are expecting that to be big. Uh, Women Talking is another film that should be big. Poor Things. Uh, there's there's a bunch of good films coming our way. The latest, David Fincher, The Killer, yeah. just wrap filming. Now, you know, you wrap filming right now. It's It's early April. Really, I wouldn't expect it for this award season. It would be tight. Yeah. He could. He's got time. And they could debut it in December, like early December. But really, you can't be much later than that because you want to get in for the Critics Awards and all these different things that have their deadlines right around December 1st. So he's got to work on that. I don't know for sure if that's going to get in. But there's a number of things. Armageddon time is James Gray. Um, of course, Ad Astra. And you talk yeah. about a, a guy who I love, and I can't wait to see that. That's another film. Asteroid City is is uh, the, the next one that we have from uh, – my God, why am I drawing a blank on his name right now? Um, from Wes Anderson. Mm. Wes Anderson, you know, that's, that's another one. Um, there's just Avatar 2. There's yeah, a ton yeah. of stuff. There's a ton of stuff. It's hard, you know, the, 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 when you go through and look at all these films – you, you really are looking at directors yeah. first and foremost because anyone who's a director who's had a Best Picture nomination in the past is obviously going to be someone to watch for next Oscars. Mm. So you're really just looking at these directors and even something like Nope, you know, Jordan Peele. He had success, obviously, we know with Get Out and then, and then uh, Us. So now you've got that. It's universal. There's a ton of stuff. I mean, it's, 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 there's not going to be a shortage of films. I just named, you know, 10 or so. Yeah, and yeah. there's, there's a hundred. I mean, we could do a hundred, but those are 10. I think if you talk about the top five, it's Babylon, Killers of the Flower Moon, She Said, The Color Purple. Warner Brothers remake that's up there and I'd say white noise for Netflix those are my top five films if I were just quickly pick them out of my head right now Wow, that's amazing because uh, regular listeners of the show and those that will follow me on Twitter and Mike, Mike and Oscar know this, that I, I love Oscars gambling um, and, and looking at the betting market and the betting market actually is 
literally you, you've been listing films that are right up there very very um close to the top killers of the flower moon is the betting favorite but she mm-hmm. said it's just in behind uh the fablemans yep. is there um yes spielberg white yep. noise um i will tweet uh, guys the the oscars betting uh, at some point i mean my thoughts on best picture from from looking at um from looking at awardsace.com and doing a little bit of research myself, I think Babylon's a, a fascinating film um, from uh, Damien Chazelle, a period drama set in the golden age of Hollywood. I mean, surely this is going to mm-hmm. appeal to Academy voters. Whiplash, La La Land, First Man. Uh, and I'm excited for this, starring Brad Pitt and Margot Robbie, I believe. Um, and I think Margot Robbie is... What do you think about supporting actress for Margot Robbie? Do you think that she's going to have a, a strong campaign this year? Well, I talked to someone who saw the test screen and they say she's lead. They say oh, wow. she's lead. Yeah. They said for sure she's lead. Pitt, though, is supporting. So it sounds like – well, here's the deal, though. As I say that, we all know that ultimately the studios can – slot these people however they want yes. them. And the way that they're going to slot... Listen, Margot Robbie could be in three quarters of the film or, or hell, uh, 99% of the film and they still could find a way to do it supporting. They, they basically say, for your consideration... They figure out which is the easiest path for us to win. Yes. What's the way that we can win? So however that slots, if you go back, the, the perfect example of that is going back to the favorite. If mm. you look at the favorite and you watch that film, for me, the lead without question is Emma Stone. Okay? That she starts the story. And you can make a case for, for any of them. But I still think she's the lead. Olivia Coleman is supporting. But the reason that Fox Searchlight, then Fox Searchlight, mm. now Searchlight, swapped all those around is they knew that Emma Stone just won for La La Land, okay? So they knew that she wasn't going to win for Best Actress again. That's just not going to happen. It, it's so rare. I mean, we saw it happen with Nomadland, which was extremely rare with Frances yes, won, yes. you know, and she just had won. That just doesn't happen very often. I would never want to put any actress in that position. I'd want to slot them where they have the best shot to land nominations and ultimately wins. But because Searchlight put Olivia Coleman in lead and Emma Stone in supporting, they got the nominations and then they actually got the win for Coleman and they wouldn't have gotten the win for Stone. So that's why it's very important these studios slot them um, the way that they think is the best way but from what i'm hearing from people who've seen the film she's more of a lead that said she could easily go support it that's absolutely fascinating to hear that i mean i I sort of did know this anyway but to hear it from you like studios planting people in categories where they think they've got the best chance of winning Mm -hmm. um yep it, it makes a lot of sense and like you said it came to fruition there with with Olivia Coleman. Um, in terms of best actor, um, I've got a bit of a theory that two-time nominated, uh, two-time Oscar nominated Adam Driver for White Noise mm-hmm. um, could be a, a major player in that category. Just because, and it's my same with my theory for two-time no- nominated Margot Robbie, I wonder if it's their time kind of thing, like we mm-hmm. saw with Jessica Chastain. Um, how do you assess the best actor category? Do you have any sort of standout... Um, or potential standout performances, do you think um, Adam Driver is going to be a player in that category as well? Well, look at look what we had this year with Driver. He had three opportunities. I know to get it's crazy. In um, in this year, and really, the one that was the best was Annette. The problem with Annette was it was just not. It was inaccessible for most people. Mm. I I love the film in that it takes so many chances. It's yes. such a strange film, and he's it's his best performance of the year. 
Um, and when we did Sunset Circle and we had our top five, he was in the top five. Mm. I mean, it's there's no brainer for me. Um, but but you look, it didn't happen for him in the major awards this year. And I think that, that it is his time. At some point, we're getting up to the point where it is his time. So, yes, I would absolutely put him in, you know, that top five, keep an eye on. Um, you you look at things like Michael Fassbender and Next Goal wins mm. that the the that's a film that Searchlight was sitting on because of Army Hammer and they had to go back and reshoot it because they wanted to cut him out and recast it. I forget who they put in the role for him, but they they had to go back and reshoot it. And Fassbender is one of those actors again, same kind of thing. Another guy that's going to be in contention, Ryan Gosling, the actor. That's uh, Gosling's a guy. Tom Hanks, Asteroid City. That could be mm. supporting though. I mean, anytime you just got to look at major names, right, right off the bat. That's the first thing you yes. do. Hugh Jackman and the son. You know, the follow up to the father. Um, Hugh Jackman. Do you know, again? These these are things that the, the Joaquin Phoenix, Disappointment Boulevard, the new Ari Aster. You just look for the people that have won before or have been in contention before, and that's where you start. And then you, but then that doesn't mean that's where we're going to end you got coleman domingo and rustin that's a film that is is getting a lot of uh you know hype early and and he's somebody that i love you know go back and watch zola and he's fantastic in that film uh chalamet bones and all you know there's there's all austin butler and elvis um you know elvis Mm -hmm. is interesting to me in that it comes out in summer and that's always very difficult yes. to put a movie out in the middle of summer and drag it through award season. And the easiest case for that to understand that is go back and look at Rocket Man. Movie came out in late May, and it ended up not being the performer it should have been during award season because of the timing. Because it's very hard to bring a film from that far back in the year all the way through to March. Well, next year it'll be February, but still, that's like you know eight months. Mm. It's a very long time to keep people talking about your film. That's why these studios want these films to hit. In November and December, right in that November window, and and that's where the ideal sweet spot is if you want to land as many nominations as possible. If we go back and looked at all the films that got the nominations this year, you would you would start to see that most of these films debuted in November or early December in that window, that thirty days right in there. Um, you know, Coda was obviously mm. a very strange case. It was out in August. And somehow it managed to get momentum all the way through award season. But in general, you you are looking at those films that are going to drop in that November window. Yeah, it's really interesting you say that because um, my sort of experience doing my podcast for the past four years and following the Oscars, that November, December slot is so, so key. And when you look at some of these major players, they come out in that window which obviously mm-hmm. shows you they have awards ambition. It's They're being released at a certain time. I think Elvis being released in August um, will will be troublesome for it because like Rocketman, mm-hmm. you, you see these films that they, and, and you'll know this as well as anyone, they come out on Twitter, the, sorry, they come out and then people on Twitter are like, this is going to win Best Picture. This is the best film ever made. Mm-hmm. In August, mm-hmm. come, <laughs> come, come October, yeah. they can't even remember yep. what the film was called. So yeah. I think... Things like, you know, Elvis may struggle. And um, before we come into land, I just wanted to touch on Best Actress. And you talked about mm-hmm. um, picking big names and looking at people that have won awards before. Looking through on your website and doing a bit of research there, I think, um, forgive me if I get her name wrong here, I think it's Naomi Aki um, or Akai, mm-hmm. one of the two. Um, I Want to mm-hmm. Dance with Somebody, the Whitney Houston biopic. Um Yep. I think she, I mean, we know that biopics tend to do well. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. know the release date for it, but 
Do you think she's got a chance in the best actress category? And finally, what are some other you know performances we need to look out for in that category? Well, that's yeah, no question that that is a film. I've got her as as one of the expected to be key contenders there because she's playing with you know Whitney Houston. It does come out late in the year, and I believe I gotta look on the studio on that. I want to say it's Sony. That gives me a little bit of pause because Sony is not the best when it comes to awards. But I mean, she's there because of who she's playing. Uh, Anna de Armas for Blonde. She's playing Marilyn Monroe. The problem with that film is that it's NC-17. Okay, that's one issue. And two, it comes out earlier in the year. That's another issue. Uh, Kate Blanchett's there uh, for Tar. That's that is the uh, Todd Fields movie, I believe. I, hopefully, I'm getting that right. Uh, you know, they're all starting to blend. It's so early; mm. I'm not as familiar with these yeah. films as I am. You know, end of the year, we'll all know these films backwards. <laughs> Jessica, Jessica Chastain again for the Good Nurse. You know, yeah. Chastain just won. I I would say because she just won, that would lessen her chance. Mm. But that doesn't mean I wouldn't say no because she just won. Uh, Fantasia, Color Purple. That's going to be Warner Brothers' big film. Okay, Color Purple. We all know the the remake. That's going to be a huge Oscars film. If it's done how I expect it to be done, it will be there. Uh, so that's Fantasia, Greta Gerwig um, for White Noise, Noah Baumbach, mm. as we talked about, Regina King for Shirley, um, Carrie Mulligan for She Said. That's pretty much a lock. Like Carrie oh, Mulligan wow. is absolutely getting in for She Said. That's, again, that is the Harvey Weinstein takedown film from Universal that will be their huge awards film. Carrie Mulligan's due for that so that would be it she's also in spaceman which is um, a netflix film and that is that'll be interesting to see where they slot her because here's this is really curious and something that's fascinating to me is when you watch studios that have an actor that is in two movies right let you go back to adam driver with the report and marriage story if you remember the report so the report was very man what a boring film But, (laughs) but amazon Amazon thought that they could get him in for best actor. Mm. And so they put him there and then, but then they, they forgot that you had marriage story sitting there in Netflix and, and guess what? That's what won you. You're not going to be able to get two performances in. So if I'm a studio and I've got Carrie Mulligan and she said, and, and I've also got her in Spaceman, and you know that she's probably going to go lead for she said, then you almost have to put Carrie yeah. Mulligan in supporting for Spaceman. Cause at least you have a shot. Look at Brad Pitt for once upon a time in Hollywood and Ad Astra. He should have been nominated for Best Actor for Bad Astra. I love that film. So and, did I. And, you know, One of my favorites of that year. I loved it. And Fox, you know, that that I can tell you all about that film. I had a conversation with the people uh, who were, you know, behind the scenes there. Is that was Ad Astra was at a time when Disney had just purchased Fox. Okay. Mm. So they were in that that period where they're trying to figure out how the pieces fit with Disney and Fox. And they didn't know what to do with that Astra because it wasn't like a Disney movie, right? You know that it's like, it's a, it's a space film, but it's not a Disney space yeah. film. So they didn't know how to handle it. So they basically just put it out and, and didn't even realize that people really love that film. And that it's really one of the best made films of that year. And they didn't do anything for it for awards. Um, so that, that was the reason that film did not do what it should have. They didn't even try. Yeah. They didn't put any money into an FYC campaign. But getting back to the two performances in one year, Brad Pitt, you know, you could have slotted him lead from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. 
But even if you think that you have a chance of him being nominated for Ad Astra, you would I would instantly take him down to supporting mm. because that way you can get two. So these are little games that you have to play. But when you look, Margot Robbie, Babylon, could that be supporting? I have it as lead right now. Could switch. She also has the the next David O. Russell movie, which, by the way, is not called Canterbury Glass. Everyone wants to call that film Canterbury Glass. It's not been titled that yep. yet. It is called Untitled David O. Russell Project. Yes. That is the name it is going by. So anyone who says Canterbury Glass, I go, stop. Until it gets that name, do not call it that. Mm. But there, there's yeah, th- those are some of the ones that pop. Michelle Williams in a movie called Showing Up. That that is another one. Michelle Williams, wow. we know Tilda Swinton. Tilda Swinton has one, two, three. She has four chances if you look at lead. She has the end, the eternal daughter, the killer, if that comes out, and three thousand years of longing, which is the return of Mr. Mad Max. Mm. And when that comes that movie has been on hold. For, for a while. I thought it was going to come out last year, but you can expect that Miller's going to bring the heat in that film. That's a film that I have, I would watch out for 3,000 years of longing. That is a film that I would put on and put an asterisk next oh, to it. Wow. Just remember, I talked about it here on this podcast. Wow, that's, that's, inc- I, I'm, you know, this is just music to my ears listening to this kind of stuff. Um, it's, it's, it's fascinating looking at the betting because some of the, some of the films you, you mentioned showing up is in there at 50 to 1. Um, mm-hmm. But the, the leaders in the market are Canterbury Glass, even though it's not actually got a title yet. Yeah. 7 to 1. Right. Killers of the Flower mm-hmm. Moon, 7 to 1. She said 9 yep. to 1. Babylon mm-hmm. ten to one. Then you got thirteen mm-hmm. lives, the Fablemans, and the Sun at mm-hmm. fourteen to one. And then there's a mm-hmm. long list. You know, you've got others you named. Nope is twenty to one. Uh, the Whale is in there at forty to one. Asteroid yep. City fifty to one. Um, Avatar two eighty to one. Um, and it's it's just brilliant sitting here seeing you list all these films that are in the betting. And I I love betting on the Oscars. You 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 following me on Twitter, you'll get to know that. Um, my final question, and it is the final question, if you had to pin your colours to the mast and sort of say mm-hmm. one Oscar now in April 2022, it can be any category, what do you think mm-hmm. is like a, I don't want to say a lock, but what are you predicting as like a a pretty, not a sure thing, but as close to a sure thing as you can? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna roll it and say Babylon without question, oh, wow. just based on the, the topic, based on Damien Chazelle, I've, I'm going to take Damien Chazelle director win for Babylon. Wow, that's that's awesome. Um, I yeah, and I, I love that as well. Confident, a confident pick, um, and a, a really superb way to to end this road to the Oscars end of the road. Eric, it's honestly been my honour to have you on the show. Um, before we close, could you just remind the listeners where they can find you on YouTube, Twitter, uh, and maybe just tell the, the guys a little bit about what you've got coming up on, on your schedule? Yeah, well, uh, it starts with awardsace.com. That's the very simple, easy to uh, to manipulate and use uh, award site. And, and listen, all of the, I've got a nine or ten. I think I have ten categories right now. Yeah. And we'll expand that throughout the year. But the major ones are there. Best picture, best director, actor, actress, supporting, supporting, uh, screenplays, and you know, I think animated and visual effects. Those, But those are, you know, these are big categories right off the bat. And then we'll add as the year continues. And it's, again, you really need to see these films. Yeah. I think that's we can talk about them all day and we can expect with certain directors like Babylon, Damien Chazelle, you can expect this film's going to be good. And it also helps that I've had someone who saw the test screening and was raving about it. Yeah. That gives me the, the even more, you know, 
power behind my belief that it's going to end up being a huge film. But that said, you can always rely on the fact that if you have a director that's delivered, you know, three times in a row yeah. with films, then you're pretty sure the fourth one's going to be there too. Um, so awardsace.com, anytime on Twitter, at Eric Weber, E-R-I-C-K-W-E-B-E-R. And then the new YouTube, uh, I would just search Eric Weber, saying my name, and you're going to see it pop up. And uh, that's something I just started dabbling in, and that's that's fun, and, and we can just, you know, riff on that stuff. And so those are kind of where I'm at. You know, right now it's really about decompressing. I, mean, I, got, <laughs> I got all the categories, but I really am in this decompressing mode. I, it's funny. Last night I had a good friend um, who who texted me about three o'clock in the afternoon and said, "Hey, do you want to go to the ambulance LA premiere of Ambulance? Oh, wow. There's a party afterwards." And right, th- that sounds like fun, doesn't it? I said, "You know, I think I'm going to stay home and watch basketball." That's yeah, yeah, where yeah. I'm at. My my head, I'm so burnt. Right on. We do we do so much during award season. Mm. All these parties, FYC events, and they're awesome. But at, at this time of year, it's like it's only April, and we have almost a whole year to go yeah. until Oscars 2023. And I know it's going to ramp up, but the films. Let's be honest, the films this time of year. They're just not – we're not going to be talking about these films in the fall. They're just not. You know, We're not going to be talking about Ambulance for Best Picture. So, <laughs> so, my, so my excitement level for Ambulance is lower than it would be if he had said, hey, there's a Babylon party tonight. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. there. I'm going to see the film. So this time of year is kind of easy to kind of check out. But uh, you know, we'll, we'll regather our strength and we'll be ready to go once award season kicks in. Really, about September, yeah. so we have about you know, summer's really kind of eh. We'll get Elvis and a few other things, mm-hmm. but really, it's not until September and those festivals that we start to see films that we really will be talking about for Oscars twenty twenty three. Yeah, obviously, guys, you can follow the uh, the road to the Oscars on Is It Worth It the Film Review podcast, but do make sure you check out all of Eric's amazing work. Um, it's a privilege to follow him. It's it's been an honor to have him on the show so just want to conclude by saying thank you Eric for coming on really appreciate it and uh, hopefully we can do this again sometime absolutely David appreciate it thank you for time and I know you are at what it's almost midnight there or is it past midnight it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's half it's half past midnight so uh, it's, it's oh Wednesday my, oh now um that is so funny. And I've got it. It's four four twenty five at, at four twenty five in the afternoon here in Los yeah, Angeles. I've, that that is the, the magic. You, you got to get to bed soon. I've here, got sir. I've got to edit the show, but then I will be getting to bed. But Eric, honestly, thank you. It's been brilliant, and uh, appreciate yep. it. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, David. Cheers. Thank you so much for joining us on the seventh episode of Road to the Oscars. Don't forget, you can find us on social media. We're on Twitter at Film Is Worth It. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Please also email the show with your thoughts on this episode and the whole series in general. I want your feedback to make next series hopefully a little bit better for you guys. Please email the show at mymailisworthit at isitworthitpodcast.com. You can also find our extensive back catalogue where you're listening to the show right now or head on over to www.isitworthitpodcast.com I just want to take this opportunity to thank all of my amazing guests on this series. It truly has been my honour to have you all on. Please make sure you follow all these people and their incredible work. Thank you to Max Joseph, Mike Mike and Oscar, Andrew Morgan of the Nomcast, Luke Herefield, Amy Smith, Craig Fields and Eric Weber. I'm sure you'll agree that is an amazing selection of guests. Thanks to Craig for helping produce this series. 
I am the monkey. He is the organ grinder. I am just the buffoon behind the mic. And also thank you, the wonderful listener, for tuning into this series. I hope it was worth it. Please do get in touch with the show and let me know what you liked about Road to the Oscars, what you didn't like, and what I can do better to make this series better for you, the listener, next year. We w- Next year? This year! <laughs> oh, I'm losing my mind. Road to the Oscars will be back later in 2022. So, I've been David Long, and this has been Road to the Oscars. I will speak to you all again about Oscars 2023 later in the year. God bless. Stay safe.